Welcome to Brilliant in 20, a podcast from Scoop News Group and Emerald One, where we celebrate the unique brilliance of today's leaders and share their experiences with you in just 20 minutes. Welcome to Brilliant in 20. I'm Kai Miller. My guest today is Sophie Myers, the Director of the Veteran Experiences Services Portfolio in the Department of Veterans Affairs Office of Information and Technology. Prior to VA, Sophie worked in private industry in varied roles, including as a consultant, solutions architect, product manager, and even as a research analyst. Her educational background is just as diverse, with a bachelor's in sociology, a master's in design leadership, and an MBA. She even had a short stint as an intern at the Smithsonian. I love talking with people who have diverse backgrounds, and Sophie is definitely one of those people. So Sophie, I'm very excited to welcome you to Brilliant in 20 today. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Well, I shared your bio, right? But can you tell me in your words, what does the Director of Veteran Experience Services do? What do you do every day? Absolutely. It took me a little while to figure that out myself, but I think I've got a good handle on it now, seven months in. So I'm responsible for a portfolio of 80 different products and five different product lines. And all of these products are the ones that veterans, families, and caregivers are interacting with most. So think of things like va.gov, calling into a contact center, even reaching out to the Veterans Crisis Line. We've grouped those together within VA so that we can think about that experience holistically. And I help make sure that our teams have a vision, roadmap, and direction when it comes to actually building and implementing these products. And of course, we wanna do more cross product line thinking to make sure that we really have that end-to-end easiest possible experience for our veterans, family members, and caregivers. Can you tell me a little bit about what you mean by cross product line? What is that? Yeah, absolutely. So I think that in general, the way that a lot of IT organizations have developed is building an application here for that contact center experience and building another application somewhere else for that, uh, let's say, front-end web experience. And so we, the VA has done a great job of developing a number of different applications for very specific experiences. But now, our next, the next horizon for us is to really think about, now that we have all of these applications, how can we create a more unified experience so that a given person doesn't have to call this line for that, call a different one for something else, access a website for benefits, a different one from healthcare, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm really trying to think about how across all of our different applications and product lines, we can create a more unified experience. Oh, got it. Okay. Um, so one of the things I was very interested in is you're pretty new to VA, right? You you just recently yeah. came came to VA from private industry. So what what brought the change on? How did that come about? Yeah, absolutely. So when I was working in private industry, I actually had the opportunity to partner with uh, the CTO in the Department of Veterans Affairs to build the new flagship VA mobile app. And it really was the first time that I ever saw a government technology team 
leading with best practices, operating technology that is really on the cutting edge. And I saw this vision for how in government, we can actually lead the way. We don't have to just follow what's happening in private industry. Um, the practices and ways of working were just so modern and, and so new to me even that I was really excited to be a part of what I think is a shift um, in the way that government thinks about it and builds technology. So I was inspired to be part of the VA because I wanted to continue to scale these best practices across other parts of the organization. And in doing that, um, not only is that just exciting as a technologist to be a part of, but everything you're doing is ultimately going to impact someone's life directly. We're not building apps because we want to grow our profit. We're building an app because there's somebody out there who served our country and really needs our help. And I'm excited that we are working on products that have such direct impact, such as uh, the ability to get benefits or to be reimbursed for traveling to a VA medical center. So that impact is another driving force for me. Yeah, it sounds like that mission focus was a big draw for you, something that really keeps you going every day. Absolutely. And I would also just say for my career personally, um, getting to work in government, the amount of responsibility that you have and the scope of one's uh, influence in this space is, is so broad. And I really wanted to stretch myself um, to learn new things and to know that the decisions that I'm making would have serious downstream effects. And I felt like I was ready uh, at this point in my career to take on that responsibility. Wow. Thank you. Thanks for sharing that. That's a great, that's a great story and a great way to kind of center yourself on your own personal principles and the decisions that you're making about your career. So um, a lot of what you've shared about what you do Sounds like you're dealing with a lot of relationships. You're, you're working with your business partners, but you're also working across product lines in technology, like you mentioned. That, that can be tricky navigating those relationships. So what do you see as some of the critical steps to take to build trust that would then build relationships with those partners in any area of the org? Absolutely. I think that the most critical part about relationship building, whether it's folks on my IT team or folks in other parts of the VA um, or other business lines is transparency. Uh, I think we often as technologists think, oh, we don't want to get into the weeds and explain to folks why there's this complication that's going to take longer. But I think that being able to be transparent and translate what seems like a really gnarly technology problem into something that someone can digest and understand and appreciate and really make sense of why, for example, there might be a delay in something is how you really build that trust. Because you mm -hmm. want to be able to, um, you want everyone on the team, whether it's the business team or the IT team to be sharing in the same vision and know the roadmap to get there. And when things don't go right, there's a responsibility to share that transparently and make sure that um, everyone understands the trade-offs that are being made to get there. So transparency is a, a big one, yeah. the, the honesty and just being clear and forthright. 
Yeah, I think fair? fair and forthright. And then I think to be successful at that, you also have to be able to translate technical jargon in a way that anyone can understand. Um, and I think that that really takes being able to reduce, let's say, an integration issue to really this is really what we're working with here is two teams weren't in communication. Now we're going to be in better communication. And that's going to mean we're going to be move forward. So being able to really distill those problems into a way that anyone can understand. That's that's an interesting point. And I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit more about the communication, getting things that are very technical into plain language, because I'm wondering if some of your background, that diverse background you have, has especially prepared you for this. Yeah, absolutely. So my first job out of college, you mentioned I was a research analyst. So I worked for a company that administered health insurance. And it just so happened that when I got this job, it was at the same point in time that healthcare.gov went live. So here I was thrust into situations with technologists who were building a way for people to apply for the insurance that the company I worked for provided. And we uh, realized that there were a lot of issues with this website because there was such a deep disconnect between the technologists and the people that were developing the policy or on the business side. And so I started to kind of get in the head of the folks that were actually engineering this website and realizing the ways that they were looking at information, which was often very binary. Um, it was either, are you below the poverty line or above the poverty line. And these are obviously decisions that have affect people greatly, whether or not you have the ability to pay for health insurance is a very nerve wracking thing. And so yeah. what I helped to do was really make sure these technologists were building an experience that took into account that somebody might not have their tax information right in front of them. So let's really explain to people what they're going to need before they enter this application so that they're prepared and in the right state of mind to answer very sensitive questions. So I think that uh, I got interested in this disconnect between uh, policymakers, technologists, and ultimately the people that are going to be using these systems. And that's really what my graduate experience was about. You know, it was about uh, learning about business, but paired with, you mentioned this degree in design leadership, which really was all about learning how to work with end users and how to empathize and design technology in a way that really meets people where they are. So that's, I'm wondering if you can talk to us a little bit about what brought you into technology. Was it kind of that being able to put yourself in the, the user's mindset, become that voice of the user? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess I would say from an early age, I've loved uh, gadgets. My first screen name was cell phone one, two, three. So I've <laughs> always been very excited about, you know, what technology can enable for people. And while I think that uh, there's so much that technology can power, it's really important to have those end users part of actually building and steering the direction of that technology or else you end up in situations like healthcare.gov where you have a website that uh, is difficult to 
difficult to navigate and, and isn't getting people what they need right away. So uh, I think for me, um, I can imagine myself as an end user often, and I love to work with other end users to see what they need and then make technology work for them. So what are some of the 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 trends that you're seeing in what veterans need right now from that perspective? Yeah, it's so interesting because we have veterans that are of all different generations. And I think one of the mistakes that uh, is made is that thinking that folks that are in older generations don't want to do things on their own. You know, I've done a number of interviews and really realized that folks want to have a mobile app that lets them really easily check their claim status or update their dependence. And the initial um, hypothesis was, oh, well, only younger people are going to be want to want to do that. But I think increasingly we're seeing that everybody really wants that self-service experience and they want to be able to do things on their own and they can. And so it's our responsibility to make it as easy as possible for folks to be able to get things done on their own without having to come into a VA medical center or regional office or to have to get on the phone and have a lengthy conversation. Um, so I think self-service is a big trend. And then I would just say on the back end of, of what we're building, some of the ways that we're powering those self-service self-service experiences is by using architecture that is more composable. So I talked early on about, you know, apps that are built in silos. And while that leads to experiences that, you know, maybe you have a really great experience getting your benefits and a really great experience on healthcare, but it's not in the same place. Um, that's actually a pretty costly way to build technology. And the more that we can look across and say, hey, when someone's doing either of these things, they need to log in. So let's build one login service that we can use in multiple different places, uh, the easier that we can make these end user experiences. That's, that's excellent. And I think I'm wondering if, if COVID led to some of that desire for the self-service. A lot of us, you know, couldn't have anyone around us or it was on a phone or, through Zoom and it's just awkward and difficult. So that self-sufficiency, I'm wondering if some of that is related to. Yeah, absolutely. I think COVID forced a lot of us to get more familiar with navigating things on our own. And I think a lot of people, just the way that I think prior to COVID, if you had asked you know, my grandparents, what do you think of remote work? They would have scoffed and it would have made no sense. But now that they sort of were forced into a situation where they had to do that, you know, they learned that there's advantages. And I think that that's the exact same thing for self-service. Um, it's not something that maybe people thought before COVID would be any easier, but now that they've had to do that, they've had that aha moment where they're like, I never want to go in person again, if I can just really yeah. quickly update this myself. Yeah, sure. That makes sense. So let's Let's switch gears really quickly because I asked you a question off air. If there was anything about you that I wouldn't learn from LinkedIn, anything about you that I wouldn't learn in the course of a, you know, a professional conversation or throughout the course of a day. Tell me, tell me a little bit about your college career, Sophie, because you shared yeah. something very interesting. 
Yeah. So the thing that came to mind for me is I think when you look at my LinkedIn, you'd be like, oh, wow, she's done all these things in her career. But what's missing is I didn't have the greatest college career. And for that matter, I didn't have the best grades either in elementary school or high school. I even got rejected from the college that I ended up graduating from the first time I applied. Uh, so I think it's really important to acknowledge that just because you have difficulties in school, and for me, you know, there were other things going on in my life that made it hard to get homework done every night, that made it hard for me to pay attention in class. But that doesn't mean that you can't redefine and reinvent yourself in your career. And that's what I think uh, motivates me in my career is just that I get to kind of prove to myself that even though I had hiccups along the way or didn't excel in certain areas, I can still excel in my career and be a resilient, uh, a resilient person. I, I love that. And I think it's something that ties so tightly with the fact that empathy is such a big part of your job because you're you're acknowledging the humanness in yourself and you have to think about that humanness of your end users every single day. Um, so I really, that was such a great moment to, <laughs> to hear that from you when we were first talking about it. And I'm wondering, thinking about that and thinking about where you are in your career right now, this season of Brilliant in 20 is all about rising federal leaders. So our younger federal workforce who's looking to get into leadership. What are some things that you would share with them? Not, it doesn't have to be advice, but what are some things that you might share with them? I think one thing that I have learned from leaders that I really respect in this space is that it's very easy to get caught up in the politics of the bureaucracy and the mechanics of how things get done. And there is endless stuff that could be optimized. But what you really can control is um, what you're delivering. So I think that to the extent that you can find something that you really see an opportunity to deliver and have an impact on the citizens, or in my case, veterans, families, and caregivers' lives, uh, it's best to focus on the things that the impact you can have outside of the organization. Um, instead of getting caught up in some of the swirl within the organization. So I think about experiences that have been delivered like that mobile app or va.gov. And, and that's an example of really just hunkering down to try something, try out a piece of technology and get it out there as quickly as possible. Um, and I think that once you get something out there, you learn a lot about how it's doing and, and can iterate from there. So um, what I'm trying to do in my new role is really find those specific areas where I think I can have impact out in the world and find a solution that'll work and just drive towards getting it out the door as soon as possible. Great. Well, Sophie, it has been an absolute joy to talk to you today, but I do have one more question before you go, because I just can't get enough of you. Um, so we really love talking about balance, right? And, and choice and living life outside of work and having impact in a number of different ways. So knowing you and hearing about your, your background, I imagine that your life outside of work is pretty diverse and well-rounded too. So tell me 
what does your ideal Saturday or Sunday look like? I love one sleeping in on the weekends because I'm <laughs> I not think you a deserve it. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I am not a morning person and I'm also on central time. So during the week, you know, I'm up early, but anyway, so I love to sleep in. Uh, we have, I live with my husband here in Austin, Texas, and we have two dogs that on every Saturday morning, we take out to a new, uh, nature place. There's a lot of different water, uh, swimming holes in Austin. So I love to take the dogs out to a swimming hole, get our coffee and just sort of move slowly because during the week things can move so fast and it's hard to really, um, take that time to enjoy what's outside of my head and in the world around me. I love that. It, I, and I can't thank you enough again. It's been a pleasure hearing from you and hearing how thoughtful you are about all of the different parts of your life and the impact that you're having. And from someone who has veterans in her family um, that mean a lot to her, I want to say thank you for everything you're doing and the fact that you're putting yourself in their shoes every day and thinking about what they would need from their technology. So Sophie Myers, thank you so much for joining us. It's been wonderful. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me.